The Idaho Technology Council presents Innovation Matters, a look at innovators, rule breakers, and thought leaders from across Idaho. From our studios in beautiful downtown Boise, here is your host, the CEO and founder of the Idaho Technology Council, Jay Larson. This is Jay Larson with the Idaho Technology Council, and today is June 8th, 2022, and uh, this is Innovation Matters. And we have the tremendous opportunity to have Clay Space with us. Clay uh, and I have met on the tennis court first, and more importantly, uh, we got together to talk about uh, uh, digital currency, uh, Bitcoin, and good versus bad uh, money. So, Clay, welcome. Tell tell us, and, and you, by the way, Clay, I've been really impressed with your understanding of all these things. And that's why we have you on Innovation Matters because we want people to hear about uh, the knowledge you have in this space. So talk to us a little bit about this, uh, how, how you've become what I term an expert in this space. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it, um, I've been in the space for a while, probably about 10 years now. And uh, so a lot of it came through trial and error, starting a business in the space, um, watching that business fail and having to figure out why it failed. Um, and uh, Kind of going through the rigmarole of uh, of kind of being on the the side of trading cryptocurrencies as a means of trying to make money to uh, getting all the way to the side of I have a little bit of capital now how do I preserve it and trying to think what is the asset that I could stick capital into that if I stopped paying attention to it or fell into a coma for thirty years that asset would still be there when I got out. Um, and uh, going through that thought experiment and actually like taking action on it is what's kind of led me towards, I guess, the philosophy that I hold today. Well, let's talk about that. But but please do not go in a coma for thirty years. That would not be good. <laughs> and and also a side note, I know you have this all the time. But you said you were talking about being an expert in this space, but that kind of plays into your last name as well, doesn't it? So, <laughs> I know you get a lot. Sorry about that. But right. yeah, and on the tennis courts too. Yeah, like, clay courts. It's yeah, a, it's a mess. <laughs> That's right. That's a good point. Yeah. All right. So that's a good point, Clay. The the so um, uh, who, by the way, who did you want to win this uh, this French Open that just happened? You know, I'm not paying attention to it at all. Okay, so that's all right. It, <laughs> it was in the Dahl Djokovic uh, final again. But anyway, um, so Clay, the, so you're talking about talk a little bit about this. Uh, what you see as uh, what you've learned over the last ten years. What are some of the big takeaways that you've taken in this? Uh, and and like you were talking about, this ability to be able to look at an asset and how do you determine if it's a good or a bad asset? Yeah, so, well, what I've, what I've picked up on um, just in my 10 years in the cryptocurrency space is um, there is, I think there's a drive, and I've certainly felt this when I first got involved, and I see this a lot from the people that get involved in the space, is this almost desperate drive to make money. Um, and I think it comes from a lot of people kind of waking up and realizing that the income that they have or the income that they're projected to have over the next decade or so is uh, not in line with their expectations of the kind of life they want to live. Um, and, and they're even realizing to an extent that the life that they have now is de- their, their ability to maintain that life is going down. Um, and so they, similar to myself, we get involved in cryptocurrency as a means of trying to preserve 
capital and outperform the market um, in order for us to get ahead so that five years down the line, 10 years down the line, we're not sitting there saying, I can no longer afford basic needs or a certain lifestyle and expectation that I've always thought that I could afford. Um, and uh, so I think that largely the drive in the cryptocurrency space um, and a lot of people's desires to get in, a lot of the investment and speculation you see in that is around this desire of trying to get ahead. Mm, which, um, you know, I guess that's a big part of investment, right? Is trying to figure out, and it's always about what do you put your money into? To, to an extent. Um, so this is, I think, a little bit more cultural mm -hmm. um, and, and more synonymous with other parts in time, uh, periods of history where we saw, say, uh, significant inflation, um, where in those periods of significant inflation, you actually see increased speculation. You see more people basically abandoning their job um, and entering the markets because it kind of becomes this sort of all-in casino where if they're able to win, they're able to get out of the mm. so-called rat race. Yeah, that's um, funny. Right, because right, you're taking a roll of the dice, so to speak. Exactly. Right? But the, the alternative is you just slowly die, right? So it's like I can slowly lose my whole standard of living um, or I can take a big bet put my life in my own hands and try to speculate on this market. Which, yeah. we, which is kind of interesting. We, we've seen a lot of inflation over the last, you know, probably the last year, eight months specifically, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, okay, so I want to get back, maybe back up one step. Sure. Let's talk about you. What, where'd you grow up? I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Albuquerque, right? Yeah. <laughs> the Bloom Festival. Well, That's I mean, right, yeah. yeah well, and the big thing now is Meow Wolf. Is that right? That's become a pretty big deal. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of that. I have not. It's um, kind of like, it's, it's really hard to describe, but it's kind of like walking in. Uh, it's like the Mario world, you know, where you walk into the Mario painting, like enter a whole new world. Okay. It's, it's similar to that. It's like, you know, you, you walk into this room and you can enter the fridge and you're in a spaceship. Wow. Yeah. So, so, you, so uh, how, um, tell us a little bit about you and where, how you grew up and how you became really into crypto, where, where, how it entered your life and Bitcoin. Yeah, well, I, I'd had a, a desire in high school um, to exit high school as a published writer. Mm -hmm. um, so I was, I was kind of deeply involved in entertainment and art, I'd say, in high school. Um, and coming, coming right out of high school, I actually had a short story of mine get published by Scholastic, oh, wow. their best teen writing of the year. Um, around the same week, actually, I got cast in Better Call Saul. Um, so I, I got to act in like the first episode, it was the first episode of the show. Um, and uh, that got me an agent and kind of got me down the, the, you know, the, the TV and film stuff. And then around the exact same time too, coming out of high school, I finally had control over my finances. Turning 18 allows you to put money in the markets and stuff. And um, I was very interested in, uh, in Bitcoin because it had just recently had a run up from under $100 to over $1,400. And uh, so I was thinking, hey, this could be a really interesting opportunity. Um, and so from that, I started uh, day trading cryptocurrencies. Like most people, they get in, they say, I want to find the next big Bitcoin. Um, and uh, I started day trading them. I, I uh, um, eventually got so absorbed in it that I had to choose between one or the other at a certain point. I had to either, you know, I was doing 10 to 15 hours a day trading um, while still in college. 
and still trying to do art and entertainment and stuff like that. And so I thought, you know, I either have to pick one or the other, or I have to find a way to meld the two together. Um, and so that's what I did. I, I started a company in 2017 um, in the entertainment space that was incorporating uh, a token that we that we released on on the Ethereum blockchain. Um, the experience that I had in building that project was that um, the uh, community, uh, the incentives in the community were very misaligned. This was for kind of broadly the entire cryptocurrency ecosystem. And when I say cryptocurrency, I, I mean kind of ecosystem outside of Bitcoin. Typically, there's, there's kind of the Bitcoin ecosystem and there's kind of everything else. We call that cryptocurrency. Um, and uh, the... The problems I was having with the misalignment was that it seemed like um, the capital that was flowing in and the interest that was in the ecosystem was just more interested in the making money aspect, not in the building aspect, um, which was a pretty big problem when you're trying to build something that you're really excited about and you're having meetings with you know, very influential people or people that are gatekeepers to you know, the, the big companies that have the ability to do things in the space, and they're saying, we're not interested in this because we don't see how it's going to make money. Um, and in more like a, more seditious than just like, like everyone has a, has a desire to make money. Right. This was more of like a, um, a greed thing. Um, and, and so that, that started to lead me down the, the hole of, of, you know, we had, we had uh, users of our, of our project, people who were participating in our project, um, who had this, Coin that we'd release that that we had this interactive experience they could use to interact with they could use our coin to interact with the experience and um, a lot of them in fact none of them ever used the coin to interact in our experience and my question was why were they not using it in the way that we kind of built the projects you know, for its intended purpose um, and uh, and it led me down this rabbit hole of good versus bad money. Um, where um, I realized that we had created a good money and expected our audience to use it as bad money. And what good money is, is, is basically an asset that, um, that a, uh, somebody who's holding it expects the value of, to go up over time. And so bad money would be the opposite, right? Money is the opposite, yeah. So, so did, how, how did it end up doing? How did your coin do with that? Well, well so the, the project um, you know, is, is, is defunct at this point. Um, okay. But uh, the the realization really was um, that the uh, um, these incentives are are very it's interesting, right? So you have you have this um, this ecosystem. And this feels like I'm getting maybe a little off topic, so maybe we'll we'll want to work around this. But the um, the people who are holding good money. Um, are trying to hold the asset as a means of preserving their wealth over time. Bad money, hold it, you want to get rid of it as possible. Um, and, uh, and so when you have, when you look at the cryptocurrency ecosystem as a whole, a lot of the projects that are developing in the space, what they're, what they're doing is they're releasing or issuing a token and they're treating that token as a form of good money or the audience at least is, um, yet, and this is especially true in 2017, yet they're creating interactions that would force the token to be used in a sense that would be closer to bad money. Um, they, they, want, they want to increase um, 
more of an economic term. They want to increase the velocity of uh, of the token itself. And the velocity would mean the movement of it. Uh, yeah, just the amount to, of exchange. Yeah, that exchanging. Takes place. So you have a lot more exchanging hands and everything's going right. on. So you get velocity up. I mean, it's kind of like what stocks do, right? Sometimes you have people and a stock will go crazy there for a while. And it's a lot to, to do with the velocity of that. Do you, so um, as you look at all this stuff, let's, let's talk about good assets or if you can, like stocks, um, you, you know, as, as you look at the stock market right now, what are your thoughts there? So what I think that we've seen over the last, really after the last, over the last two years, this was post COVID. So we had, um, we had this really strong market crash in March of 2020. Um, and then um, we had policymakers step in and, and basically support the markets. So they started to issue a significant amount of, of, of cash, and uh, they started to flood the market with this cash. Um, and uh, it, it took a little while to show up, but what we're starting to see today is we're starting to see the results of that, which is high inflation. Um, we're seeing some of the highest inflation that we've seen in the last 50 to 60 years in history. Um, and uh, the, you see, you, you see that as a. Let's talk about that inflation just for a second. Yeah. yeah. Why do you think we're seeing such high inflation rates right now? Again, what are the top three, three factors? I think that? I think the biggest factor, like just from a from a three thousand foot view of this all, yeah. is just the amount of capital, the amount of money that um, specifically the Federal Reserve has allowed to move into our markets, our financial like markets, fiat money, money, fiat money, money. Yeah, yeah, U.S. dollars, in. yeah, um, U.S. Right. dollars that has no. They're just printing money, right? They're printing money. You yeah. have, well, of course, you had uh, during the COVID lockdowns, you had these uh, these payments that went out to everybody, the stimulus checks. That increases, um, again, the velocity of the currency. It increases the amount of money that's exchanging hands, people getting free capital. If everyone gets thousands of dollars, um, they all want to go out and buy food. Food prices go up because there's you know, a certain amount of food and there's now more capital in the system. Mm-hmm. Um, so... What we're what we really what we experienced over the last two years was this um, we we culturally we experienced um, this inflationary moment where we we realized as a society that our our currency is less valuable it's a form of bad money and that what we should be doing with that money is we should be putting it anywhere other than keeping it in cash so that's where you see real estate prices go up a hundred percent that's where you see the price of trading cards go up crazy. You see Bitcoin go up 450%. You see gold skyrocket. Is, it, is, there, is there a connection directly to tangible assets then on that? Is that what you're saying? Because money, as you look at it, the Federal Reserve and everything else has taken place with that, it becomes a dilution factor, right? Yeah, so you have, right? You have on one side of the equation, um, if you're looking at it as like weights and measures, a teeter-totter, yeah. Yeah, on one side, you've got this bucket of dollars that, is kind of infinite and then on the other side you have scarce assets and so if you're deciding what you want to hold you're gonna say well if they can just continue to create more dollars why would i want to hold these because over time that means that the value of my dollar is going to zero and so at that point you say what's scarce what can i what can i physically hold that i know if i have it no one else does and there's a few assets that are really good for that you have real estate for sure that's in the physical domain um, we saw that absolutely in stocks. Bitcoin is a really good form of digital um, digital scarcity, um, but that is that's kind of what we've experienced over the last two years. And a lot of the symptoms of people saying, "Oh, it's 
people leaving California and moving to these smaller areas, and that's why real estate prices are up or uh, or you know stocks are up because of you know, some excuse. I think a lot of that is just culturally we're trying to find um, we're trying to find a reason um, outside of just we created a lot of money. Well, isn't isn't there a, a truly a supply and demand issue here on the real estate though, where it's having more people are coming, which is driving the cost up uh, because the demand is way up now. Which you're saying people want to put money into good money, good right. investments Certainly. versus bad, right? Yeah. Well, but even I mean, even if you look at a place like Idaho. Um, and, and certainly that has some impact, right? You have a lot of people coming in from out of state and that's going to yeah. impact the scarcity. Um, but you can even look at areas like Los Angeles where they're apparently leaving um, San Francisco. Property values in those areas also skyrocketed. Um, so the that's, question is... That is crazy, right? right? Why yeah. <laughs> you would anticipate that. You'd think if it was just naturally that if there's people leaving, it would go down, but it hasn't. Right, right. right. And, and so the question there is who's buying those properties? Um, and... And this is kind of where you get into some of the the other, like, um, I guess you could say the uh, darker aspects of of having a currency that can be manipulated at a at a sovereign level. Um, is uh, I believe a lot of the entities, in fact, a lot of the entities that are buying uh, real estate in Idaho or across the United States are are large corporations, companies like BlackRock. Um, I've I've talked to real estate agents who were helping to broker. Um, home purchases in Idaho for people in Saudi Arabia. Um, so this was a global phenomenon that was happening all over the globe. Every country was kind of de- uh, devaluing their currency. And every single citizen on earth was saying, where do I put my money? Well, yeah, so that, that's, a, there's a, that's a good point because now your mon- real estate is really one of the most solid ones right now, right? Right. But also you, you sit there and go, okay, we made a big run in real estate is this the right time to invest in real estate when it's gone up so much and you're seeing property taxes that are going to be starting to go up because assessed values are going up? I think I just got a couple things of that have gone up 30 to almost 40%. Yeah. Well, well what we're watching too, and, and this is kind of, um, again, this is, it's, it's very cyclical in nature and there's a lot of, of, uh, of literature on inflationary events and, and even hyperinflationary events. And, uh, what what I believe that we're seeing right now is is um, kind of a run up to a hyperinflationary event um, where you get into this period where uh, the reason that this capital or the stimulus was pushed into the system back in 2020 is that there was something fundamentally broken the financial system similar to 2008 there was something fundamentally broken um, and we we stepped in the Federal Reserve stepped in the government stepped in and they protected the financial system from blowing up. Um, when you do that, you're really just kicking the can down the road. What we're experiencing today, and we've seen over the last basically six months, is we've seen investment slow down significantly. If you're watching property values in Idaho, even over the last month, we've watched those prices begin to, you know, houses are staying on market way, way longer than anticipated. Um, you're seeing um, a number of people, uh, especially, especially in the Airbnb market, who um, their income was, you know, I, I heard somebody was making $10,000 a month on their Airbnb properties. Today they're making 200. Um, so we're seeing similarly to how we see this, this really quick, rapid, um, inflationary move and capital investment, everything and prices skyrocketing when that money stops moving, um, you see the reverse effect things just start yeah, plummeting. And then, then all of a sudden you see this, this, uh, this notion that Hilton had, it was like, 
uh, is about location, location, location. It's about where you're, you're going to invest money where you have, uh, where hopefully there's a scarce factor that's always going to be there, right? Like it's like around, you get property around a lake, they're never going to make that again, right? Right. Well, this is, I think this is a little more insidious than this. And I guess we can, we can get back onto like yeah, the good do, investment versus bad investment yes, thing. Right. But, but I think the, the real fear here is um, because this, there's something fundamentally broken about our money and our financial system. Um, if the government, if the federal reserve doesn't continue to step in to support right. the markets, things break, they break in a way that completely destroys uh, savings. Um, and so what we're experiencing over the last six months is we're experiencing this rapid slowdown. This, this almost like, this is almost like, you know, you went to the bar last night, you drank 10 shots and you're waking up this morning and like, they're saying, we need to just send you to the hospital, right? We need to get the IV in you and we need to pump you back up with some fluids. Um, we're in the phase of we've woken up after 10 shots last night and Somebody either needs to step in and stick a needle in us and, and hit us with the yeah, IV, right. or we're going to die. But but it, but it's also we'll keep. There's a couple thoughts here that I was just going to have is that one of the biggest issues that you have as, as a broken system is the fact that we don't balance our budgets on a federal level, right? So we just keep injecting money into this whole thing, or people are buying our debt, which has been historically been China. Does that play a lot into this too, or is that just because of is that is that part of it, or is that just what are your thoughts there? The, yeah, the, the, the debt markets are certainly, um, to an extent, part of this. Um, and this would be probably a longer conversation. It's something I'm not as equipped right now to talk okay. about. But, okay. um, but I think one of the, uh, kind of one of the places that, that maybe just think about is this, um, this, uh, this issue that China is buying our debt. At a certain point, um, the credit of the United States comes into question. And at that point, and we're seeing this, we're seeing a divestment of treasuries, United States treasuries. Uh, I think the, the trend over the last 10 years has been a reduction of like 50% of nation states purchasing U.S. treasuries. Um, so we're seeing that divestment. We're seeing that uh, credit rating in the United States come into question. When that does happen, when that debt, when those debt purchasers stop buying U.S. debt, the only person left to buy our debt is ourselves. And that's where you really get into issues of, of total monetary collapse. Yeah. That's okay. So that's, that's all. Now we can, that's monetary system, right? Clay? Yeah, so let's, yeah. let's put it, we, we, we won't go that direction, but let's talk, go back to this idea that you've taken 10 shots and you woke up in the morning and you got this monumental headache. You've got, you know, you're ready to, you need some help. Um, what do you see if you're sitting there and somebody says, okay, Clay, what should I do? Or you're actually saying, what are you doing? What is Clay Space doing right now? in the, the light of this uh, almost uh, aggressive, some of the most aggressive inflation that we've seen in our lifetime, right? Yeah. What, what do you suggest? What are you doing? Um, so I view Bitcoin as really the best investment that you can make to protect yourself against inflation. Um, I, I view it as better than the rest of the cryptocurrency ecosystem. Um, there's a lot of questions with cryptocurrency outside of Bitcoin. Uh, like I said, I think the incentives are pretty misaligned, in my experience working in that space, building projects in that space. Okay. Um, and, and so what Bitcoin allows is it allows for you to, as an asset, it's really phenomenal. It's the first time in really the history of the internet that we've had digital scarcity, which is, it seems kind of like 
like an oxymoron. Like, how can you have something that's both digital and scarce, right? If I send you a video, uh, an MP3 file, um, you can download that file, copy it, and send it to everyone you know. If I send you a Bitcoin, you can't do that. If you send it off to somebody else, you lose that Bitcoin. Now they have it. Yeah. Um, and the value in that being digital, being scarce, is that now you have a 24-7 market that trades this currency or this coin, Bitcoin. Um, and so it gives you 24-7 liquidity for the asset. It gives you the ability to trade it anywhere in the world. Um, over time, what we're seeing over the last 10 years, we've seen pretty significant adoption of Bitcoin. Um, most places uh, today that you go to city-wise, you can find somebody who owns Bitcoin or who will accept Bitcoin. Um, so it's, it's slowly becoming a, a form of purchasing goods. Um, and, uh, and it's portable in a, in a way that no other asset, really the history of, of the world, has been this portable. You can't take a house and move it across the country. Right, you can't. Yeah, you're you, right. You're right. So, so for those who don't know a lot about Bitcoin, you did a really good job with explaining what Bitcoin is. Uh-huh. Tell the audience what Bitcoin is. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a that's a long question. I know it, it is, <laughs> but it was great because you 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 talked about how it started, how you can you can fractionalize uh-huh. Bitcoin, that kind of stuff. Can okay. you talk about that? Yeah. Well, okay. So, so um, probably to just like nail the scarcity thing one more time. And, okay. And really, I think the biggest thing to take from 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 trying to begin understanding Bitcoin is um, um, is uh, basically there's only 21 million coins, um, and there will never be more. Uh, but as far as as far as uh, what Bitcoin is or or how it started, um, uh, Bitcoin. Um, do we want to keep on going? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so. So. Uh, so. Um, yeah. So. So. Bitcoin started with an anonymous developer named Satoshi Nakamoto, and uh, this guy um, to this day we still don't know who he is. Um, but he uh, released a white paper, which is just kind of like think of it as um, I, largely you could think of it as like a constitution of the network and kind of what um, what how the network operates, kind of an operating. Okay. Um, and he released this on an email server list with 2,000 other cypherbots. Um, and, uh, and that started kind of the genesis of, if you're interested in this project, you can uh, take your computer and you can start pointing its power to this network. And in return, we'll, it'll reward you with Bitcoin. And um, it started with two people just opening their computer, saying, "Yeah, sure, this is interesting." Experimenting with it, and over time, those two those two computers has turned into billions and billions of dollars of infrastructure all over the world that are now mining Bitcoin. Which is really kind of an interesting. It's you're talking about mining Bitcoin through these computers, yeah, on a cyber highway type stuff, right? I kind mean, of, yeah. yeah. So, so like the way to envision Bitcoin mining is um, is as like. Um, Kind of the best way to put it is is if you and I were mining Bitcoin and we are we are computers because really the only thing that's mining Bitcoin are computers. But let's say we're computers, um, we're the only two computers on the network mining Bitcoin. The network would basically hand us a dice and it would say it'd be a six sided dice. It would say you got to roll the dice, keep on rolling the dice. The first person to hit three sixes in a row gets rewarded with with Bitcoin. Oh wow! Okay. Right. As more and more people get involved with Bitcoin. Um, what, what the network goes through is it's called a difficulty adjustment, where it basically changes the rule to make it harder 
for us because if we have, got you. if we have 500 people all rolling dice to hit three sixes in a row probability says that we're going to hit it pretty quick so the difficulty adjusts upward and says all right it's going to hit it's going to hand you 30 dice so say, now you got to roll 30 sixes in a row i got you that's where you talk about the roulette type thing a little bit on this right because you take some uh, that's how you make you mine it that yeah. way okay i got you that's good um all right so we we basically have taken our time which has gone i think has gone by way too rapidly so we're going to leave put a bookmark on it clay to talk about you talked about the best investment is bitcoin good versus bad money good versus bad investments the inflation that's been taking place how about we have you on in six months we'll be able to talk about this again and we can even take a closer look at the inflationary issues that are taking place we can take a look at how bitcoin's been been doing over the last six months yeah and then we can also talk about this good versus versus bad money a little bit more in detail. Does yeah, that sound good? That'd be great. Yeah. yeah. Clay Space with us today on uh, the 8th of June, 2022. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. And uh, we hope you join us in a couple of weeks. But remember uh, to keep innovating because in Idaho, innovation matters. Thanks and have a great day. Innovation Matters is a production of the Idaho Technology Council. For membership information and to get involved, visit our website at idahotechcouncil.org. Thanks for listening and helping us transform Idaho's future together.